Welcome back to Crohn's and Colitis UK, the podcast. Luke, they've let us have another episode. I can't believe it. We're back. Crohn's and Colitis UK, the podcast. What a success, though, wasn't it? You know, like the the feedback we've had has been really, really special. Uh, Quite emotional, actually, at times. We can't read out all of it, but it's been really, really personal, emotional. And yeah, what, what a start. I'm really pleased with it, really proud of it. And just in case you haven't heard that first episode, why not go back and listen to it? But in case you don't know who we are, I'm Geraldine and I have colitis. I've had colitis for 30 years now. I've had my diagnosis for 30 years and Luke has Crohn's. Yes, I'm the Crohn's, you're the colitis and together we make the podcast, you know, bit cheesy, but it works. It does work. It does work. So we've had loads of positive feedback. It's um, gone really well. We know that people really love it. We hope it's um, making a difference to lots of people being able to listen to our experiences. We'll be doing lots of talking about a variety of experiences across the Crohn's and colitis community in upcoming episodes. But we just wanted to give you a little bit of a treat, to be honest, for this episode. This second episode is just something a little bit different and a little bit special. So a while ago, a couple of our ambassadors at Crohn's and Colitis UK, Tom Spate, who you probably know is a singer, and Sasha Dewan, who's an actor, got in touch to say that they would like to make a sort of discussion panel film type podcast thing around what it's like to be a young guy living with um, inflammatory bowel disease. They both have Crohn's and they invited a couple of other high profile men with inflammatory bowel disease. Ali Jawad, who's a Paralympian and has Crohn's. And then Misha Moynarad, who you might know better if you're on social media as Mr. Colitis Crohn's. We took them to a studio and they just talked about what it's like to live with inflammatory bowel disease. And yes, they're all men. And we were doing it in conjunction with the website, The Book of Man. But actually, what they say is very relevant to probably pretty much everybody with inflammatory bowel disease. And I would go as far as to say most people with a chronic health condition. So it's a really, really interesting listen. Hope you enjoy it as well. And we'll be back at the end to tell you a little bit more about where you can see more about it and learn more about the project. But for now, enjoy. And the other voice you will hear is Martin Robinson, who's from The Book of Man. So yeah, take it away, guys. Hi, I'm Sasha Dewan. I'm an actor. I have Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed in 2006. My name is Misha Mornirad. I was diagnosed with IBD at the end of 2013, and I'm a content creator. I'm Tom Spate. I'm a singer-songwriter. I'm from London, and I have Crohn's disease. I'm Ali Jawad. I'm a four-time Paralympian, and I got diagnosed with Crohn's in 2009. Okay. Um, So, Sasha, can we start with you, please? Um, Can you just tell us when you first realised you had a sort of health issue and how that ended up in a kind of diagnosis? Yeah, so I was in my early 20s. Um, I was about to go on a world tour of a play I was doing called The History Boys. We were travelling to New York, Hong Kong, Sydney. It was an amazing opportunity, but I remember suffering from a bit of anxiety. Um, and I remember going to the pub with my mates you know, to say farewell and... I, I, was, I kept getting these cramps, particularly when I was drinking beer. But because I was going away, I didn't really tell anybody about it. 
um, and I thought, well, I'm leaving uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, the chances of kind of getting it properly seen, I just thought, I'll just ignore it. Um, then went away on, on tour, um, and then in Hong Kong, I was getting really uh, bad symptoms. So cramps were incessant. I was unable to pass stool, um, and that's when I saw blood as well appearing. So it's quite frightening because I think in 1998 my dad was diagnosed with bowel cancer as well. So it's quite scary because I was away from home and I was frustrated at myself because I'd sat on this for so long and now I was in Hong Kong and I didn't know the healthcare system. But I had a great team of people around me who were working on the production and they flew me to Sydney. And I guess in hindsight I realised how privileged I was at that time to get diagnosed so soon that the healthcare system in Australia was fantastic. Uh, saw a gastroenterologist who did a, an endoscopy, saw the results of that and clearly identified that I had Crohn's disease. And so, yeah, that was the start of a very long journey. Um, I took medication um, and I think in my head at that time, you take medication uh, you get cured. I didn't really clock at the time, even though I read it on Google somewhere, that there isn't a cure for this. The medication seemed to have worked, and um, I went into remission for many years, and then it resurfaced again in 2019 pretty badly when I was doing a show in New York, which was very physically active. And from then, it's been a very turbulent time. Um, been on a variety of different medications. But only in the last couple of years, I've started to pay more attention to it and embrace it as a, as a part of me. Uh, hence why, you know, bringing this together with Crohn's and colitis and meeting these amazing Crohn's warriors has really helped me um, come to terms with it. It happened in my early 20s, which I think, especially for a bloke as well, it's a very difficult time because you don't really want to talk about your emotions. Wasn't really in tune with my body that much either. I was just sort of being young. I was at university in my final year. Uh, health has never been a problem before that, so it was kind of very much out of the blue. I took medication, like you're on now, for about four years after that, and then in 2016, I thought, I can't live like this anymore. It wasn't giving me the life that I wanted to live, and mm. I couldn't progress, I couldn't go on holiday, couldn't do anything. So I made the decision, along with my medical team at the time, to go for a stoma. And I had a stoma in 2016, and from there, my life's been very much like an open book, I can kind of do what I want again. It's empowered me to do things that I didn't think I would be able to do again. Um, and that's kind of it in an overview. Obviously, we'll flesh it out more as the talk goes on, but yeah, let's roll on. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I got diagnosed with Crohn's when I was 19. I was at a university in Liverpool studying music. And yeah, it kind of came out of the blue, really. Um, Similar to what you're saying there, you're thinking, oh, was it's like a sickness bug, and I was having like diarrhea, vomiting, weight loss, all of similar symptoms to you. And um, I finally got diagnosed like three months later, around kind of like Christmas time, and it was quite a quick diagnosis while I was in hospital. Like I had scans, and they, they found out I had Crohn's. And at the time, I didn't know what it was, didn't know anyone that had it. And um, I think for the first couple of years, I was kind of in denial with the disease, really, um, until the, um, the point where I had to ha have like emergency operation and uh, 
I had, uh, yeah, emergency operation to have basically a stoma and I had my appendix removed. And I think, yeah, it was like 20 minutes from dying without sounding too dramatic. But, um, and then like, that was kind of like the big wake up call, realizing like, okay, this, this is, yeah, this isn't gonna go away and I've got to really get a kind of a handle of things really. Um, so I've had, um, a, I've had like, I had initially, I actually had an inelostomy and then a year later, um, because it was basically protruding, uh, I had to have like, again, another emergency operation. But in that operation, they did a halfway kind of reversal to having a colostomy. So when I initially woke up from the elostomy, I woke up, I was like, I thought, I didn't even know what was going on. Like, I remember when they were told me um, about having like a, a stoma and it was, it was a complete shock. So I woke up and I felt like a little like terminator. I had st staples in the middle and I had a, in lost me there and I also had a mucus fistula but that yeah. actually you know I, again I didn't really understand at the time what that was doing but um, a year later I had the halfway reversal and now I've got a, col a colostomy and I've had that for 10 years so it's um, and it was interesting you know when you were saying about it kind of being like an open book and feeling like you can take on the world and mm -hmm. for me it's been like um, like a real superpower you know um, and it hasn't been like a, you know, an easy journey. And it's like, it's been very much like, you know, a bit without saying like a big brother moment, like a roller coaster, you know, like it's, um, I've been in and out of hospitals a lot. And it's, I feel like while you're going through this journey, you're kind of constantly learning and kind of navigating your way through to kind of get to that point where you feel like I'm just me, you know, and you're, you've obviously, similar to what Sasha was saying, it's part of you and you're kind of just embracing it. and. You know, it has shaped my uh, viewpoint on life very much so, and uh, I'm in good health at the minute, so that's where we are now, really. Yeah, I think my story um, starts at the, the Beijing Paralympic Games in 2008. So ever since I was six years old, I've always wanted to compete for Great Britain at the Paralympic Games, and I was incredibly at 19, I got that chance. Um, and I was in the best shape I could possibly be. I was living the dream. You know, I managed to get, watch Usain Bolt, for example, like with that world record. Um, and the night before I competed in Beijing, obviously it's quite an exciting time, but for me it was actually a nightmare. I, I got really sick before, before bed. and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I, um, I was rushing to the toilet. I felt really dehydrated, even though nutritionally I was on point. Um, and I started getting really tired, like really fatigued out of nowhere. I was on the toilet all night, and um, next morning, kind of woke up having not slept, and I'd lost three kilo in body weight. Wow. This was the day that I was about to compete. And I thought to myself, well, this is not like any bug I've ever had. My right side is killing me. Um, I've got no energy, and I either pull out of the games that I've worked towards since I was six, or do I still compete? kind of knowing that I'm a little bit under the weather. Um, so we spoke to the doctors. They wanted to pull me out. I begged them to compete. Luckily, I did. Um, but I didn't really compete to my best, which is understandable. So I got, um, I got rushed home. And that started a process which was insane. Um, I got back. Within eight weeks, I'd lost 20 kilo in body weight. I was bedridden. I was seeing blood on the toilet. I was in pain every day. And it's weird how 
you know, one day you're achieving your dream and the next day it comes crashing. I was only 19. Um, so after seeing a lot of blood in the toilet, we realised that I, I needed to see somebody. So I got rushed in and they actually said it could be cancer at first. So I was pretty scary at that sort of age. Um, and it took them about nine months to diagnose me. But at that time, I'd lost all my physical attributes. Um, my career was pretty much over. And the consultant, when he, when he told me, he said, um, you've, you've got Crohn's disease. Um, he said, your life's about to change. And I thought, I'll just get a me some medication, I'll be on my way. Um, he, goes, he goes, no, he goes, I need to keep, make you aware that no Crohn sufferer has ever won a medal at any Olympic or Paralympic Games. It's never been done with Crohn's because Crohn's is incredibly unpredictable and you're at a disadvantage at the highest level of sport. And the medication also affects you. It's not just Crohn's, it's the medication. So he pretty much told me to retire. So I was, I was what, 20, I was in the consultation room and he was telling me my dream was over. So I had two choices. Um, I either retired or I had to use myself as a guinea pig to try pull this off, um, not knowing how brutal it was going to be for me. Um, so, yeah, I think what I did was I surrounded myself with the best team possible, uh, medically, physically, nutritionally. Um, and we had to learn together because it threw absolutely everything at me. Um, and obviously, yeah, it's been quite the journey. I think it's quite personal to each person. There are some similarities, but for me, it started with uh, cramps and I couldn't quite place it. You know, is it, is it the stomach? But it felt somewhere deeper, but almost slightly crippling. Um, and that just got, for me, progressively worse to the point where when the, the cramps kind of kicked in, it, it would kind of take a, a hold of you. Um, it would make me feel really nauseous. Uh, it's, a, it's a horrible feeling because you almost have to, I'd kind of have to I'd double over in a, in a way to try and stop it. But the, the nausea would take over and you just kind of sweat. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that happened with me. And then it felt because of the inf inflammation, um, I wasn't able to pass poo properly. And that was frustrating because you can't kind of relieve yourself, yeah. you know? Um, and then um, from there, I started, uh, when I'd go to the toilet, wipe my bum, uh, there was red, red blood. So initially you then think, is it, is it cancer, especially with my dad's history? Um, so that, that, they were my symptoms. Um, and I, I think, like I said earlier, I think I was quite fortunate to have caught it quite quickly just because of where I was in, yeah. in the world at the time, because I think it can get a f you know, hearing some of your stories, yeah. oh, wow, it can get a far, a far lot worse. Mm. Um, but from what I was experiencing, it was, um, yeah, pretty bad. Mm. But even once I'd kind of been diagnosed and I'd been on medication, and as you were saying, Ali, you think the doctor gives you your medication, you're like, oh, great, mm. see you later. And I was told at the time, you know, this, this, there isn't a cure for this, but you just, no one's really talking about yeah. it. I didn't, and also I didn't quite know what it was at the time, it went away. Mm. And so what I couldn't get my head around is I'm on medication, but why is this thing? It just keeps coming back. It was like, I just, 
get on top of things again and it would hit, it would hit me. Mm. Um, so for me, not only am I dealing with the physical symptoms, but the effect on my mental health as well. Yeah. Because what I chose to do at that time, because no one was really talking about it and I wasn't really that active in looking, about, looking into it, I just ignored it. So in a way, when the flare-ups would come, they, they started to get a lot worse. And then I was passing a lot of diarrhea, food would just go in, come out, and it was starting to affect work. I'd have to take time off shows. So I guess then it, it made me go, I've got to really take control of this. Yeah. Um, I think also as I hit a certain age, you know, as you hit, for me, as I was hitting like late 20s, early 30s, you start to not take your body for granted. I think when I was like 18, 19, I was kind of invincible. So yeah. I was taking much more of an mm. active control about looking into this. It's, it is just super complicated though. I always remember seeing blood in your stool mm. on the buses as cancer. Mine very quickly went from being loose output to loose output of blood to 60 times a day, being like on the toilet. Um, and that's the kind of level, and then it went into the medication route. You say uh, IBD, yeah? So mm. how does, because the umbrella, how does that work in your diagnosis then? So I got like a, my, because of my symptoms were quite complicated yeah. in terms of they would show both Crohn's symptoms and bowel symptoms. So when they removed my colon, yeah. it was 95% ulcerative colitis from testing. Yeah. But because I had some problems that were showing Crohn's disease, they were like, we don't actually know what you have. But this is the thing though, isn't it? There's a lot, you, it's not just you that's having to deal with it, it's the people around you and how yeah. they react. And often they won't know. Is that similar for you, Tom? It was all the, the family yeah, and friends, my, all of you had to kind of get ahead of it. Yeah, it's just trying to, and partners as well, when you're, yeah. you know, um, when you initially start dating someone, it's like, oh God, I'm gonna have to have a conversation about my bowels, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not like, it's not the greatest way, just like, you know, even with the stoma, it's like, you know, it's like, when's the appropriate time to be going, do you know what? I've got something to tell you, but like, you know. Did then... you meet your partner now with having a bag? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. how long did you wait? Oh God, that's an, it's an interesting question. I, I think it was like, <laughs> this might sound weird, because obviously like um, with my previous uh, history of like having like the prolapse and all that mm. kind of stuff, I, I wear like a, like a support band like um, to kind of help with that. So they kind of be, when you're in those intimate situations, like none the wiser, whether you're having a stoma and all those kind of things. So I'd probably wait, depending on, you know, you know the relationship. But, um, you know, I think I wait like three weeks a month to a mm -hmm. point where I felt like, oh, she's definitely into me and this, you know, and this won't be a problem if I mention it. I think it's that feeling of feeling safe. And, you know, it's, you know, when you're kind of initially starting relationships, like you kind of, you know, you want to feel like safe and not that they're going to run a mile. And, you know, I've never had anyone run a mile anyway, because I think if they were that kind of person, I probably wouldn't be with them anyway. It's a good filter. Yeah. It's yeah. a really good filter. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's weirdly enough as well, like, um, I, so I've had it for like 10 years, like a stoma, like, I'm, I feel like I'm actually the most confident I've ever been, which is kind of strange, because you think you would, it would affect your confidence, and it certainly did at first, but you kind of realise actually, like, you know, you, uh, like you said about not taking your body for granted, all, the, all these mm -hmm. kind of things, you feel very in, in tune with your body and stuff, so, um, 
Yeah, but I think, yeah, it's interesting you say, obviously, about effect, how does it affect your family, partners, all of that stuff. And I spent, like, I think it was, like, three out of five uh, Christmases in hospital. And that's when I realised, kind of, like, you know, the effect it does have on, on your family because, obviously, they were spending their Christmases with me in the hospital as well. So it's... Uh, you know, like, like every, you know, all these, you know, we're all on our own journey and uh, discovering our and navigating our way through it, really. Mm, mm. Ali, you were an athlete, you know, that must have been like for your mental health and what, you know, what you do, your passion. Um, how, how, what was the process from, for rebuilding that confidence and getting back into it? What was it like? <sighs> yeah, that process was um, pretty brutal, even though you're working with you know, some clever people, and you've got access to, you know, top, top medics. They had to go on the journey with me and actually had to learn as, well, like, as much as I did. Um, and what we did was we said, look, like, what's coming would be unpredictable. We have to accept that our plan will go out the window at any time. So you have to be able to adapt. Also, you have to be able to absorb what's coming. I accepted early on that I'm going to fail more times than I succeeded, but all I had to do was implement the process in front of me, be very adaptable, not, not kind of mourn my diagnosis, take emotion out of it and actually use the data in front of me because that's reality. The issue was, was Crohn's literally tried to deny me at every corner. And that, when I was young, that was frustrating because I got quite impatient. But what it taught me was, one, how much people are willing to go through it with you when things are dark, like really dark, and two, how much I can take. Sometimes you have to be in a situation that's outside your comfort zone to understand what you're capable of. And I was kind of, I guess it's not lucky, but adversity became my reality early on. So for me, that adversity transferred to normal life where nothing really affects me anymore because I've had to go through something which not many people can go through um, and implemented things that, you know, can, you can transfer into any walks of life. But you can argue that my friends and family thought I was robotic, emotionless, um, kind of very, very driven. But I guess in performance sport, it's not like society. You are literally judged on your performance. Mm. So you have to be able to go through a process that is not going to be very nice and you have to operate at a level that not many people are willing to, including your parents, your friends, your partners. So, yeah, for me, it became very selfish because I had to. Um, and I guess it kind of... I guess it made me kind of um, look like I was... I don't really care about anybody. I was in my lane. And I had to be very super focused because not many people understood the process mm. um, and not many people were willing to go through it with me. So yeah. you had to be very isolated. Yeah. Wow. Go on, did you want to go? No, I was just going to say it's really interesting that um, Ali talks about, uh, you know, men mentality at uh, kind of such a high level. Uh, I think a real change for me, um, I'd focus so long on the two things, the, the gut, uh, putting all my attention on that and also suffering in silence, the stigma of not talking to anybody about it. But really, I, I'd ignored one of the most important organs, which is the brain, uh, the thing you can't quite see or know what's going on in there sometimes. So actually, 
I wouldn't say it suddenly cured the disease, there's no cure for it, but it certainly helped to tap into my mental health. Um, I realised, looking back, just how much, you know, I mentioned when I was going on tour, this anxiety. Mm. I didn't even know what anxiety was. Mm. But one thing I started to make the connection with was when I was stressed or anxious, my symptoms would trigger. But something that certainly helped is kind of delving into, into the mind. Um, and I think in lockdown, I started having therapy. Um, and that certainly helped. It got me to form a relationship with myself, including the disease and, and, and talking to... I had a real need suddenly to kind of connect and talk to people, hence why you know, me and Tom met. And just literally sharing stories. It, it felt like I just wasn't on my own anymore. There was a community out there. And social media so mm-hmm. certainly certainly helped with that and amazing work that you're doing as well. But but when I first got diagnosed, there just wasn't any of that. Mm-hmm. So actually for so many years, I mean you, you're asking you know, what what is the disease? I didn't really delve into it. I just hoped that it would just go away. I think it makes you like when I was listening to your story, I was, it kind of makes you very like resilient. And you mm-hmm. kind of just and for some people, you yeah, have, you have, you and have also meeting people by the charity you realize that there's a you know a lot of people carry this kind of hope that things will kind of get better as well for me the scariest thing about getting a flare-up is obviously the symptoms but obviously I I kind of go okay I've got to now deal with the system and try and contact getting hold of my uh, gastroenterologist who's looking after thousands of people and sometimes going to A&E and trying to explain to someone I've got Crohn's disease and I need to be seen straight away. Mm. And I'm waiting for a response. And you get but this some... is the power of connection, right? And yeah, talking to people because exactly. you can get those answers from answers. people. I mean, um, I was calling Tom literally um, a couple of uh, weeks ago saying, Tom, I'm severely constipated and I don't know what to do. I need to, to invoice you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. Gonna... I mean, I've called him so many times. But, um, it, but it's a that, it's having the ability, it's so important. Because mm. even just having, um, it's because, you know, pe- what's great is more people are talking about it. But in terms of the connection of those who, like our stories are different, but there's a connection mm. there for someone who just goes, I get, I get it in some way. Mm. So when I call Tom and say, you know, I'm feeling this, and it's just him going, it's going to be okay, it's fine, have you, have you done these certain things? And it just yeah. calms mm. you a little bit because suddenly yeah. I feel, I'm now the opposite. I'm so acutely aware of everything. I'm like, oh, there's a grumble. Um, okay, hold on. What? You know, you suddenly get yeah. because it's a fear of is this going to take me into a flat? I remember analysing stool in the toilet. <laughs> so I'd be like looking at my boo, like it's not going to talk to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and if it does, this if is it does, this, then we have a real problem. Yeah. Expert poop people. <laughs> Making the connection. And it's easier now that we're doing it, but in hindsight, I'm interrogating why I didn't do it sooner. I'm still trying to understand that, whether there was an embarrassment. I think for me, in some way, I'm such a perfectionist, I felt maybe I, by telling people I was at a disadvantage or had failed mm. in some way, especially being an actor, I was always worried that it would, because it would, it would, I'm such, I think when I'm performing, I'm all in. In a sense, maybe not as extreme, but as an athlete, I'm like, and I, and I, I just didn't like the feeling of that this was holding me back, so I just mm. ignored it. But actually talking about it and interrogating it and embracing it is, is, is opened up so many doors for me as well, you mm. know. 
Let's talk a little bit more about uh, being a man, being a young man in particular, about having to deal with this, you know, the, the embarrassment, but also just generally talking, looking after your own health, all those things where it's, it's just thrown out the window. You feel it invincible, you feel like nothing could have you. And also you're in an environment with other men, I think, that you, you're not really talking about things when they go wrong. I don't think in the same way that women do, perhaps. Is that, is that what you experience? Yeah, I think, like, as a young man, I kind of felt like I needed to be, like, muscular and, like, bolshy and, like, is that kind of when you're younger, you're, you're finding who you are? Yeah. You know, you're trying to understand who you are as a person. And to be honest, when I was in my sort of 19, 20, I was completely carefree, probably a bit of a knob, um, because I didn't have any lived experience. I didn't really understand this kind of fast-tracked me to that point. Right. But in that middle ground where I was taking medication before my surgery, I was a shell of my former self. I thought people were staring at me all the time. I was really anxious. I thought, I literally can't do this. Um, and I used to just sit in my mum's house, just staring out the window for hours on end, just thinking, like, is this the rest of my life now? Mm. And I think it's just a really challenging time that you go through throughout your prognosis and wherever that journey takes you. But if you can kind of hold on to glimmers of hope, like Ali was saying, like that sort of end, there is an end, it will go somewhere. You can't always be feeling the way you are in that present moment. Mm. It will help you take like baby steps forward and then yeah. you will progress. But the reality is, I spoke to someone last week on socials that hasn't left their house in 15 years. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it stops oh, people yeah. in their tracks. So yeah. it's, it's really challenging for the individual, but I think the key thing just from this conversation is that we talk to each other. So if you can make the step to reach out and converse with someone who has lived experience, you will gather knowledge from their story and power from their story. Mm. And if you do that enough times, like it's amazing. Yeah. You also get some tips and advice. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I'll just... try that. Oh, I'm gonna try that. I'll give that yeah. a go. Um, I guess someone was telling me about you know using a hot hot water bottle and trying this and yeah. uh, and it worked. You know, for me, I was like, oh my god, thank you. you yeah. Know? It's just being able to pick up small that. coping mechanisms, isn't it? Yeah. For because yeah. with a condition like this, it's day to day. You're not yeah. thinking week, month, year. It's mm. how am I going to feel tomorrow? Mm. But that, yeah, the ongoing nature of it is something you have to deal with day to day. So there's different, obviously there's different ways of sort of dealing with that. How does it sort of work itself into your music, performing, being creative? Yeah, I would say it shaped it in a way of like the positivity and hope and, you know, day to day kind of thing of living every day like it's, you know, especially if you're healthy, it's like not taking that for granted. And that's kind of fed into the music really. And uh, after that two month stint in hospital, Four days later, I was like supporting Snow Patrol, and then that year I did like 100 gigs in 22 countries or something. So it's like just just got into it gently then. Yeah, just got into it gently. <laughs> but like it, you know, every day I felt like a competition winner. You know, of kind yeah, of yeah. feeling like I'm doing my dream job, but I have yeah. this thing that actually is like, you know, actually became this kind of thing where I was just more on it because I was like, you know, with the obstacles that you were mentioning earlier, like I was like. I need to make sure that I'm healthy for this. So I was like really treating it like I was like an athlete, like the performance side of it. Whereas people that I was maybe playing with or doing festival season with were kind of, they were worse for wear because of the, you know, whatever they've been up to the night before. But it's, um, yeah, I've kind of used it as like, yeah, like a superpower where I'm kind of, you know, not. I also felt, did you feel like you were like almost uh, 
10 years older than your friends. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I <laughs> That's the only way I can explain so it. So I haven't had a hangover since, like, 2016. Yeah. And it's like, because, you know, I'm not going to waste a day feeling groggy the next day because of, you know. And, it's, and, it, and again, that kind of shapes you as, like, as a, like a human being of, like, how to socialise because you, have, you can't rely on those kind of things of, you know, a social lubricant like mm -hmm. alcohol. And it's like, again, that's another thing with... You know, it really does, in some way, kind of, it does shape you as a person, and that's not mm. a negative thing to it's say. It's a good thing, yeah. Yeah, mm. and, you know, it kind of, you know, what you're saying about it kind of fast-tracks you. Mm -hmm. It definitely does that as well, because you kind of, you realise what's important, yeah. and that, you know, you've got to take, you only get one body, and you've got to kind of take care of it, really. Mm. I, I'd... Um sit in my trailer and I'd be having these, these cramps. <laughs> I'm sitting in this period costume, my wig's falling <laughs> off. And yeah, it's like, yeah, it is like a, like a drama that's happening <laughs> yeah, right now. I know. It's such bad pain, you know, and I just... And sometimes I'd be halfway through a scene and the camera's, wow. rolling, the camera's rolling and I'm like, oh my God, you know? But then, you know, over the course of the years, is just I tell people, if I'm on a job now, as soon as I start, I get it contractually, you know, diet-wise. That's a certain privilege that I'm able to do, but even pulling someone aside and saying, I'm feeling a bit like this today, or I need access to a toilet, or it's... From my experience, I've never really had in the professional world someone say, no, we're not doing that. They go, mm -hmm. oh my God, explain a little bit more about what you need. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been really, it's just taking the, the pressure off. But it comes from within, right? So yeah. a lot of the worries that you worry about, are personal to you and then when you actually say them to someone they're inquisitive or my cousin's got that or my best friend's got that mm. like my partner i got my partner as well when i actually had a bag she didn't even acknowledge it initially so she just like when we were intimate and stuff she didn't even acknowledge it and then when we did speak about that because i was wearing a wrap as well yeah, yeah when we did go into those conversations she was like let's see it she was like inquisitive and i think people are so quick to think that it's going to be a negative response yeah. and people tarnish it with that but they don't if you meet the right person or you're talking to the right people, they're actually, they want to learn. Mm. And I think that's a quite an important thing to understand for like people that now maybe watching this and feeling like, Ugh, I can't tell anyone or really embarrassed. Mm. You're not going to get that response. Over the course of a couple of months, the uh, vast array of material and videos and you guys. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that's how we met, isn't it? Yeah. And I, you, I could see in your face when you were like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to have to have surgery. And I, and I messaged you, I was like, I just want to say that I've got it and you'll be, it's going to be all right. Yeah. And, and, and that's how we kind of struck up a friendship, I think. And know? that conversation, oh my God, it's, um, I won't lie, there's still a fear about it, but I don't, I kind of feel like there's also the potential of it opening up my life in new ways that I never thought was possible. Okay, Ali, we'll come back to you. Um, we've been talking a lot about uh, resilience, uh, getting through, you know, tough times, but also finding amazing results. And you certainly had one. Can you just tell us about like what happened when you kind of achieved what you achieved? Yeah, so I think um, when I got diagnosed, the fact that no Crohn's sufferer had ever won a medal at an Olympic or Paralympic Games, um, you pretty much had two choices. You either accept it and retire and focus on your health, or you understand that, well, for me anyway, I've had the dream since I was a kid. I couldn't walk away, uh, excuse the pun, um, <laughs> yeah. couldn't roll away, knowing that I didn't even try. In, I think, in the lead up to the Rio Paralympic Games, the one thing that 
um, was the big pressure. It wasn't me fighting for my life or the way I was living. It was the fact that the Crohn's community literally hung that medal around my neck before I got there. Because they thought, and he's world number one, he's flying at the moment, he's gonna do it. He's gonna be the first. And I thought to myself, if I don't do this now, like, you're gonna have a lot of disappointed people. Um, so I got to the games and the talk was, it wasn't about what shape I was in, it was all about, if you're gonna, you're gonna be the first to medal, you're gonna be the first to medal. And I thought, oh no, that actually hit me. I was like, yeah, this is, um, this is big pressure. I've got half a million people back at home thinking, uh, well, even globally, right? Like, you've got millions of people with a condition going, there's, there's, there's somebody here that's done something that could do something impossible. Um, luckily, well, ironically, because um, obviously the Paralympic Games is after the Olympics, uh, I was at the holding camp in Brazil, and I got a phone call at four o'clock in the morning. So I got woken up. I couldn't believe it. They're like, oh, Ali, have you seen this? I was like... What do you mean? Like, a girl from America, she's a swimmer. She's got Crohn's, she's won a medal. Oh and I was God. like, thank God. I was like, I'm not, I, there's no pressure. But the one thing that happened was, she must have picked up on the story and she messaged me like two days later, saying, I just want to say good luck. I've been following you, oh. they're incredible. Oh. Like, he goes, she goes, imagine if two people with the same condition won a medal at the Olympics and Paralympic Games within two weeks of each other where it's never been done. So that took the pressure off me, and I got to kind of be very free in my performance, and I pulled it off. So we're having no Chrome software winning anything to two people doing it in the same month uh, from two different countries. Yeah. Quite remarkable. Wow, incredible, incredible. What was that moment like? <sighs> yeah, it's, it was relief, number one. Yeah. Uh, a mixture of, this has been my dream since I was a kid, but the other relief was, I proved all them doctors wrong. I yeah. proved my family wrong, my friends wrong. I proved people that love me wrong because they obviously didn't want me to suffer. Obviously, I picked suffering and they hated that. <laughs> but the fact that you got to yourself in a, in, a, in a situation where you've pushed yourself to a limit that nobody thought you were capable of, but all to yourself. Like, I thought to myself, how much more can I, can I take? How much resilient am I gonna be? And also, when is the cut-off point? I mean, one of the reasons why I started working with Crohn's Colitis um, UK was uh, there was the helpline. Um, I, I just called. I was really struggling, you know, and I just needed someone to talk to or what to do, really. And that was, again, I didn't have that all that, that, all that time ago. So that was a really helpful tool as well. There are resources um, out there. There's also certain kind of... I think I've, I've battled with this a little bit in terms of medication, um, whether or not I, I should be on medication or should I come off it. And, but for me personally, it's allowed me to kind of get my head above water so then I can put in other things in place, like my therapy. Because I'm not sure if how, how you find it, but when I'm really struggling, the last thing I want to do is be, it's really hard to motivate yourself to, to kind of do those things. Right, well, you know what, I'm going to clean up my diet, you're like, no, I just want to lie in bed and eat shit food. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, a hard thing to comprehend when you're someone who's like, we were all sort of in our 20s, 30s, mm. and to go from being like, drinking out of your mates and doing what you want carefree to taking 16 tablets a day. Yeah. Mm. It's a massive, yeah. it's a massive transition, right? I think the one thing that I initially got was, 
I actually felt alone when I got diagnosed. I thought I was the only one. Mm. So I think for me, the charity provides community. It, um, it has educational tools. Um, there's someone at the end of the line. I think the big thing for me about support, especially initially, is even though you get diagnosed, I think nobody talks about the mental aspect of what's coming. Uh, and that to me is key. And I think when you initially get um, diagnosed, you should definitely contact the charity in terms of emotionally and mentally, what am I going to go through here? I know physically it's going to be tough, but what's going to happen to be emotionally and mentally? Because a flare really does. Um, it's like, and I know for me, it was like, whoa, I'm actually, like, mentally, it's way worse than a flare. Like, you're going through emotions where it's up and down. Um, and you have to be able to manage that. Because eventually, like, it's going to be your mind and your emotions going to get you through it. Because you have to apply yourself to get through a flare. You have to be disciplined enough to take the tablets or to clean up your diet. Um, and, you, and you do need help. And that's where the support mechanism is. So, mm. for me, it's all about um, understanding the condition wholly rather than it's a physical thing. And not just for the individual, right? Yeah. Because everyone's very different in terms yeah. of their characteristics and how they're going to engage in information. So whether it's just like downloading resources and reading them, whether it's like your loved one or your family or your carer going there to learn um, about the sort of things that you're going to be going through in those cogs. I think for me, it's given it like a community feel, you know, of kind of meeting other people and making it feel a bit more like not alone, really. And, you know, it's, uh, it's like really healthy to kind of talk about things and kind of share stories that you can't maybe share with your, your mates or your girlfriend. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Great. Just as a, as a final thing, um, like what message would you like to sort of say to them? What would you like them to sort of understand and think about just I think be kind to yourself really and like just treat every day as you know as like a, a new day and just kind of just check in with yourself and ask yourself if you're right and just be kind to yourself moving forward and realizing that things will get better you know yeah I mean as cheesy as it sounds we kind of all touched on the fact that it it can feel really isolating at times um, but you, you're not alone with it um, there's, there is help out there and keep investigating. There's other cronies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, nowadays when I'm chatting to people, there are people who have some awareness of it. The awareness has got so much better. So like, expensive. I've had it 16 years and it's just like, think doing things like this is really important to just keep hammering at home that, you know, it's this invisible disease that hopefully the people will kind of know more about, really. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this has ever, <laughs> ever done something like this before. I've never come It's kind of one of those things where you start the conversation, you're like, you realise that there's power in conversation. Yeah. That's the one thing I'll probably say, is just literally yeah, find people that you true. can talk to mm -hmm. and soundboard how you're feeling, because otherwise what you end up doing is you make your own story up in your mind of what you think other people are thinking, and that's because you're not bouncing that off anyone else. So, you know, if you're feeling alone, you're feeling isolated, try and find people, whether that's through the charity or someone that you know locally, that you can just go and talk about how you're feeling. Would you agree? Oh, big one. Um, big one for you, Annie, mate. Mm -hmm. Time to step up. I've always said that um, you are the dictator of your life. So for me, it's really healthy to have um, kind of goals or ambitions that you want to get to. And you have to ask yourself, is Crohn's or colitis going to get in the way of that? Because you only got one life, so you might as well fight for it. 
So for me, it's like, yes, I've got a condition, but actually it's now part of my life, but I still want to be here. So how does it complement my life in a way where I can manage it, put things in place, and still live a life that I want to? Um, a lot of people lose hope straight away when they get diagnosed. They think all their achievements or their goals or their ambitions out the window. But actually, for me, it gives you another excuse to go for it because you can look back when you've achieved something and go, actually, I did it and I did it with IBD. And that's pretty good. Mm. So for me, it's all about always thinking how you want to live. I fully appreciate it's not easy to talk about your conditions. Um, and one of the great things that the charity has is the symptom checker online. Uh, it's literally on their website. It takes 30 seconds. Uh, and then you can literally print it out and take that to your GP. And I think that just certainly bridges the gap uh, and makes that first step a lot easier. Yeah. yeah, it's quite daunting even just going into the GP's office and what do you say? It is, I mean, I still, you know, it's not easy to articulate it sometimes um, it, it takes um, yeah it takes it takes a bit of confidence and but yeah that the symptom checker is yeah definitely really helpful wow what a brilliant conversation geraldine like to, to hear a group of guys talking about this yeah i can honestly say i've never ever experienced that as a guy ever before i've never had a group of lads just talk about their crones about their issues about their challenges um and yeah so for me it's really encouraging and i know that you know you don't have to be a man to take away something from this conversation of course it goes without saying but um yes yeah, it's it's, it, it's really nice to see really really nice to see the guys were brilliant too so yeah. I'm really pleased to hear that because we, we made it for people like you, Luke, and we made it for people as well who are who are at the beginning and, and sort of worried and not really sure what, what's coming next. You'll be able to, if you want to, you can also watch that um, content on the Book of Man's YouTube channel or you can go onto their website, which is thebookofman.com. And uh, as we said, it's just interesting, isn't it? Whatever your gender. You know, we've gone, we've gone celeb in episode two. We, we've gone high profile. <laughs> But I don't know what we're going to do next. But what we do know is we've had absolutely loads of people get in touch to say that they would love to appear on this podcast. And we plan to get lots and lots and lots of you involved. So um, listen out for more. And in, and in the meantime, if there's any aspect of Crohn's or colitis that you would like to know more about, you can always go to our website, which is crohnsandcolitis.org.uk. Mm-hmm.